And now, another timely and powerful message from Pastor Emmanuel Williams and Imitators of God Ministries, Colossal Vivacious Church in Tallahassee. The Bible says that in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplied, as I said earlier on, there was a time when the Holy Spirit added to the church. Now they move from addition to multiplication. That's when things are doing good. They are now bursting at the seams. Amen. That's a blessing when you have brothers and sisters fellowshipping, talking about the week. How was the week? How was everything? Isn't God a good God? Tell me what you conquered this week or what conquered you. Amen. <laughs> but it's always a good thing to fellowship. Amen. And so the Bible says in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Why? Because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. In those days, as I said, those were the days of revival. Amen? The days of revival when the church is on fire. Praise the Lord. The church is on fire because the word is being taught with authority and purity. Not only that, but the word of God is being confirmed with signs and wonders. Amen? How many of you believe that would get somebody excited? Praise God. Okay, those were the days. And brothers and sisters, those days are not over. Amen? Glory be to Jesus, because we serve the same God. Amen? The same Holy Spirit is here. And so the Bible says, and as I said in Acts chapter 2 verse 47, you don't have to turn there. The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. But as I said, no longer is it addition, now it's multiplication. The church is growing by quantum lips. Amen. They are growing by the thousands. There comes a time when you grow. Amen. Two by two, three by three. And there comes a time when you grow by thousands. Amen. And so that's what we're experiencing here. Every church that's surrounded by lost people ought to be a growing church. Let me say that again. Every church that's surrounded by lost people ought to be a growing church. Amen. Most commentators, as I said last week, believed at that time, when during that time, the church had grown from between 15,000 to 25,000. Why? Because we are told in Acts chapter 2, when Peter preached, was added. Was added. In Acts chapter 4, we are told another 5,000 was added. That's 8,000. And that's only men. Amen. You know, back then, every man had two, three wives plus children. Amen. I said back then, that was never God's will, but God worked with the culture. Are you with me? The Bible says, in days of ignorance, God winked. God overlooked certain things because he knew that culture was very important to individuals. Are you with me? We must never forget that the word of God is universal truth written within the Jewish culture. Let me say that again. We must not forget the word of God is universal truth, but it's written within a Jewish culture. So what we have to do, are you with me, is then take the universal truth and work with it within our culture. Anyhow, uh, glory be to Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. And so we are told that the church is growing and you know where there are people, amen, there's going to be what? Problems. Oh, glory be to Jesus. Where there are people, there are going to be what? Problems. Amen? You know, uh, um, the last time I spoke with, I was speaking with some brethren, and I said, look how the church is growing from 15,000 to 25,000. And you know, some people are so spiritual. They say, I don't believe in numbers. 
I don't believe in big churches. You know, I like to call my pastor, talk to my pastor. Are you with me? See my pastor. Glory be to God. Amen. Well, if you're in this church, you're in the wrong place because we are going to grow. Let me say it again. We are going to do what? Grow. Because growth is a natural form of life. If you're growing, you are what? Dying. Amen. So they use little phrases like that to excuse their lack of spirituality and laziness. Instead of going out to the lost and doing what God's. Do you know why most Christians are dissatisfied? Because I'll tell you why. Let me not. I'm not going to give you the, the, the opportunity to answer. I'm going to answer for you. The reason why is because we do not go out and evangelize. Amen. That is why some of us are so dissatisfied. We have not obeyed the great commandment. Let me tell you, since God is interested in numbers, the number of men that were saved was recorded on two consecutive occasions. Are you with me? So God is interested in numbers. Where there are growth, there's going to be problems. Amen? Where there, there's going to be what? Problems. And so last week, we looked at the problem in the church. We were told that the Grecian widows were being discriminated against in the daily food distribution. That's what was happening. Because they were the minority, they were overlooked. Now, was this a legitimate complaint? Yes, it was. It was a problem. Yes, it was. The problem was real, but the way they went about handling the problem was terrible. They began to do what? Murmur. What they began to do? Murmur. Murmuring is a terrible thing. No, no, I still haven't addressed murmuring and we'll deal with that in the future. Amen. But I'll tell you what, Philippians 2.14 says, Do all things without murmuring and disputings. That's the word of God. Do not murmur, do it. If you don't want to do it, say you don't want to do it. Don't walk away murmuring. Amen. Oh, glory be to Jesus. The Bible says all things must be done in order and in decency. 2 Corinthians 14.39. Amen. Oh, First Corinthians, one of them. Amen. Oh, let me tell you the problem is sometimes uh, we church people don't understand uh, that um, if there aren't any difficulties, any real problems, is because the church is dead. Dead. Let me say it again. If there are no no difficulties, is because the church is what? Since problems are a sign of growth. Let me say it. Problems are a sign of what? Most times it is. Let me say that. Most times what? It is. Many of us look lifeless. Can we be real? Sometimes we look lifeless and it's because we have no problems. <laughs> oh, glory be to Jesus. We have no problems. I told somebody last week, what you need is eight to ten good problems. <laughs> eight to ten good. You know what it'll do? It'll get you, it'll get your creative juices flowing. It'll keep you looking lively. So that you won't sleep ten hours. You'll be up in six because you have got to overcome these problems. Are you with me, saints? You've got to conquer these problems. I heard somebody said problems are opportunities in disguise. They are what? 
opportunities in this. So if you have one or two problems, you're just miserable. You need ten. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, eight to ten problems will keep you lean on, leaning on the everlasting arms. It will keep you leaning. Amen. Glory be to Jesus. It will let you learn how to not lean on your own understanding. He'll have you singing, there's no other like the lowly Jesus. Oh, no, not one. Jesus knows all about our problems. <laughs> ah. Now, if you're here this morning and you have no problems, you hate problems, I can introduce you to a place where there's not a lot of people, where a lot of people don't have problems. There is a place. Amen. How many of you are interested? There is a place. <laughs> Where there is no problems at all. It's, uh, it is dead and quiet there. I, I, I was driving to the airport in Capital City, Southeast. And after going over Spring Hill Road. Quarter mile on the left. I noticed a very quiet place on the left. And when I looked, I saw Tallahassee Southside Cemetery. People out there have no problems. They don't care. They are D-A-D dead. Since if you have no problems, you may be on your way out and not even aware of it. <laughs> problems are everywhere. Somebody calls it unavoidable suffering. You got to learn, we have to learn to deal with problems in the church and individually as the church grows. Amen. Now let me say this. Contrary to what you have heard, God does not send problems. I'm going to make that abundantly clear. Let that sink. Let that sink in your subconscious mind. Because what you have happening out there, people are preaching, God sends you problems. I know it's quiet in here because many of you believe that. Many of you believe that God won't allow. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says in, I think it's 1 Corinthians 13, 10. That, uh, um, it says that there are no temptation that is overtaking you. But such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted. Let me tell you. A temptation is not from God. God tests people. The devil tempts people to, to undermine their Christian life. Temptation is from the devil to overthrow your faith. And the Bible says God will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able to but with the same temptation make a way of escape. So it's not God that's trying to tempt. God tests you of course. But God doesn't tempt you. He doesn't send these troubles. I with me saints. And you got to get that because it's been taught in Christendom that the devil is God's devil. And he's on a leash. And whatever comes to you comes from God's hands. Cancer doesn't come from God's hands. I know, you know, I haven't got time to elaborate. But I'll tell you where problems come from. Problems come from a fallen world. Problems come from you and I. Our mistakes we made. It's not the devil. The mistakes you made. There's a repercussion on this in this fallen world so you have the world you have the devil and then you have the flesh you let me let me back up 95% of the problems we have is us well let me say that Emmanuel 95% of the problems you have it's you not you church I'm talking to me
So problems come because we're in a fallen world. Our own decisions. Amen. The Bible says, and, and saying sometimes you got to be, sometimes, let me tell you when you start to grow, when you look at yourself in the mirror and say, this is my fault. This is my problem. I created that. It's not the devil. Let me tell you, think the devil will come after some of you. He'll go after these big, these big time preachers. What? He haven't got time to think about it. You and I, these big time preachers bringing in millions into the kingdom. You think he'll be bothering you and I? Anyhow. So the Bible says this right here. He says, the Bible tells us to resist him, the devil. John 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will what? Flee from you. You got to sanctify yourself. Resist Satan. How you resist Satan? You got to use the word. You got to say something. You cannot resist him in your thoughts. You got to open your mouth. When these problems come, you resist them. Are, are you with me? Because the Bible tells us in John 10, 10, the thief comes to what? Still to what? So when a problem comes to steal, kill, and destroy you, it's not from God. How can it be from God? It's from the devil. <laughs> God is sending help. First John chapter 5 verse 4, it says that this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So God has, given his, God has given us his faith to overcome the world. And since I tell you, every day I encounter these bad teachings... These teachings that have caused us Christians to roll over on our backs and let the devil destroy us. Saying whatever that comes to us, it has to pass through the hand of God. Who says that? And the only scripture they use is Job. Where else? Jesus sat on a stone in Matthew 8, 17. And he healed everybody in the village. Everybody in, sat on a stone and healed. If it was from God, why heal it? You see, we don't use our mind. Let me tell you what we do. Well, let me tell you what we've done. We have, we, have, we have listened to so many seminary trained preachers that we lose the ability to think for ourselves. Yes, they, yeah, yeah. you see, we subscribe to such and such who's been trained properly. Such and such. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. Revelation knowledge cannot be gotten in a school. Paul sat at the feet of Gamaliel for years and had to walk away to a desert to hear from God. <laughs> oh, glory be to Jesus. Are you getting what I'm saying, saints? You cannot get revelation knowledge in a school. You've got to sit down and read and study. And then you'll hear a voice saying, this is the way. Walk in it. You have some problems, you need to sit down and start reading. Are you with me? I have, I have some major problems, I'm telling you, because I'm doing that now. I got some stuff on me. <laughs> oh, glory be to Jesus. It keeps me alive. It keeps my creative juices flowing. Hmm? It tells me you're alive. You are alive. And you got Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, glory be to Jesus. If you just read the Bible, you'll see some of the things these people talk about is incorrect. That's why it makes us, it makes us Christians apathetic and lazy. And it takes the fight out of us. Because we are told it's coming from the hands of God. Since problems does not come from the hands of God. 
Let it be written. Let it be told. Let me tell you, I'm telling you the truth. How many of you have a child, you'll throw problems on him? You won't do it, but God, because we are desensitized. Because we don't, we do not, we haven't had our encounter, our encounter with the love of God. It's a dangerous thing if, not, if you have not experienced the love of God. If you have not, you can communicate it. You'll misrepresent God. There is no way a father and a mother who says they love their kids will put these problems on their kids. Are you with me? But we say God do it. God, God would do it. We say God would do it though. Hmm? I had a man going to this church and he said to me, Pastor, for years he's been holding on to this lie that he was on a roof, fell from the roof, broke his feet, and for years he couldn't take care of his family, was partially crippled. And for years he's been telling me, Brother, Pastor, that's my persecution. That's my persecution. I said, Sir, this is not your persecution. I said, You are working, and on earth things happen. You happened to slide from the roof and you fell down. And that's just it. I said, what God did? He gave you the power to correct it. He gave you the healing power from Calvary 2000. And if you are interested, you can be healed. Hmm? Are you getting what I'm saying, saints? I said, stop holding on to that crutch. That's not persecution. I tell him, were you preaching when that happened to you? He's looking at me. I said, where did you get? It's a lie fed by the devil. So we Christians won't fight back. It takes the fight from you. And that's what the devil is doing. And when you listen to a preacher who should know better, stand on a pulpit and say, it comes from the hand of God. The devil is a liar. And I'm here to expose him. Amen. Are you getting what I'm saying, saints? God always have a solution for every problem. Are you getting what I'm saying? The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 verse 28. God is able to make what? All things work together for good. To those who are called according. Are you with me? So even if you're going through some problems. And it's not caused by God. It's caused by you. God is still able to make it work for your good. I get what I'm saying, saints. You put yourself in a problem, God still can turn it around. And that's what we should focus on, the solution. Not that it comes from God. Since he's a good, good father. And no good father is going to put any sickness or disease or any infirmity on their kids. None. And I always say it, I, I, you know, you have to say it over and over again because it's been taught to us for such a long time. You know that we really believe it. God has a problem. I, I cannot, let me, let me continue. Verse 2, verse 2, amen, so the church had a problem. And I'm saying, notice what I did. I look at the church as on a whole having a problem and I looked at us individually because we are the church. I get what I'm saying since we are the church, problems are going to come. But you fight back. Are you with me? You fight back. The devils. The Bible says in Matthew 11, verse 11, 12, it says, Until the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffered violence. But the violence taketh it by what? Now that sounds like fighting to me. Are you with me? That doesn't sound like rolling on your back. 
and saying what it came from the hand of God. Let me just take it. No, 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 no. No, you fight with everything you have. Now you get what I'm saying? You stand up and say, I'm a child of God. That's not from my father. The Bible says God is good. Psalm 73, 1. And God is love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. There are some things goodness and love will not do. Oh God, I give you praise. Hallelujah. Amen. And it breaks my heart because I speak with a lot of Christians every day. And for some reason, they hold on to that. They're like a dog holding to, on to a bone. They will not give up that bad theology. Because what it does, because now if they give it up, now they have to fight. And they don't want that responsibility. They don't want the responsibility to fight back. So they hold to that bad theology like a dog holding a bone. The devil is a liar. You get what I'm saying, saints? Let's move on. Glory be to Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of Jesus. And there are many, there are many spiritual leaders who can use the same Bible to justify and say, God, God what? God brings problems. That's up to them. But you take it down and say, you as a father, what you say God does, will you do that to your children? And all of a sudden, everything changes. Everything changes. Yeah. If you say God does that, will you as a human being do that? Oh no, I won't do that. The Bible says in Luke eleven thirteen, If you who are evil in comparison to God, know how to give good gifts. What about God? How much more will he give you good gifts if... You get what I'm saying, saints? If you just sit down, amen, and get rid of all this bad fear, all some of you need to stop listening. Stop it! It's taking you down. It's making you spiritually apathetic. Like it killed me. Anyhow, for years, for years. I believed that men had only body and soul for years because I heard a spiritual leader says that men had body and soul for years and I've been talking about it talking about, I preached it I preached it I preached it until while reading through the Bible that's why I asked you to read I was reading through the Bible in first Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 when I read when I can you put on can you put that on the first Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 for years I've been saying humans are two parts body and soul because I heard a preacher said it I was reading the Bible and God interrupted me first Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 first Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 and I taught it when I began preaching back in the early 90s I preached it over and over again it says Paul is praying for the church he's speaking to the saints in Thessalonica and he said to them and the very God of spirit sanctify you holy and I pray that your whole spirit your whole soul your whole body be preserved and the Holy Ghost said to me do you still believe man has body and soul and I went on my knees and said, God, I'm so sorry. Why? Because I had somebody. It's right here in the Bible. You cannot fight this right here. Now, you may give me your opinion, but it's right there. You have a soul, you have a spirit, and you have a body. Right here. 
Well, let me move on here. Acts chapter 2, verse, Acts chapter 6, verse 2. Give me five more minutes and I'll be done. Amen? We have to fellowship. Amen? Acts chapter 6, verse 2. So God has a solution to the problem the church is facing. There is murmuring. God doesn't like murmur. Amen? But he's going to ensure that it works out for the church is good. Amen? So what he does, glory be to Jesus. Now these Grecian widows, they could have gone to the apostles. And said, look, we believe that, you know, instead of murmuring and talking about it, amen, talking about it amongst themselves and talking about it at the house, they could have gone to the apostles. Are you with me, saints? That's what you do. If you have a problem, you go to the person. You don't do like the world. Let the world gossip. Christians born again. We go to the problem and address it. Why? Because people are looking. People are listening. You might get people discouraged. I get what I'm saying. Especially if you are, if you are perceived to be an, a, a leader. Now, not everybody is in the... Leaders are not on the pulpit all the time. You'd be surprised who lead in the congregation. And that's why you have to be very careful the way you speak and what you say about God's word. Amen? So the Bible says, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them. What did they do with the problem? They took it to the congregation. They got the church involved. Amen. Go to the people. Give them the opportunity to express their approval. Are you with me, saints? You go to the people because people are looking. That is why it's important, brothers and sisters, that you and I, we live and walk circumspectly. So if we are chosen to lead, there will be no murmuring in the church. Are you with me? You live and you live in such a way so your life testifies that you're a leader. Some people, you look at them, they're not on the pulpit. They're not over anything, but you look and say, no, that's a leader. No, that's a woman of God. No, that's a man of God. Because of the way they carry themselves. Are you with me? So when God moves on the leader's heart and asks that this person serve in a particular capacity, the entire church is happy. Yay! Because the church saw them laboring in the vineyard. That's why Joshua had no problem when God called Joshua to lead. Because Joshua was with Moses all the time. I, before Joshua became a leader, he was Moses' servant. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. Are you with me? Before he became Moses's, before Moses's successor, he was Moses's servant. Anyhow, the Bible didn't say Joshua was God's servant. He served a man. You see, you see, before, before, before God brought this to my attention. I'll be honest with you. Honestly, that's why I have to be very careful. I was, I was influenced by some renegade Christians. Honestly, just some renegade Christians. And I didn't understand that whatever God does, he does it through a man. Are you with me? Through a what? Through a man. Because the Bible says, if you cannot, if you cannot fellowship with your brother whom you can see. You know the rest of the, you know the rest. And you know what I'm saying? You cannot, are you, are you, are you, so, so that is what I'm saying, brothers and sisters. We are so spiritual, we lose our senses. We spiritualize everything.
please take time to meditate on the Word and let it sink into your heart and soul and mind today. Knowing that the Christian who meditates on the Word will be like a tree planted by the water, bringing forth fruit in its season and prospering in all that he does. But what if you aren't a Christian today? What if you don't know if you're bound for heaven as a forgiven child of God? If that's you, then let's take care of it right now if you're ready. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Are you ready to be forgiven of your sins and washed clean and made new? Are you ready to begin your new life in Christ? Then turn to God right now and say, Lord, I love you. I need you. I repent of my sins. Lord, please forgive me and wash me clean. I receive your forgiveness right now as I put my faith in Jesus as my Savior. God, please lead me and teach me and show me how to live from now on. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And if you're looking for a good church family, you'll be welcomed with open arms at Imitators of God Ministries, Colossal Vivacious Church in Tallahassee, located at 4750 Capital Circle Southeast near Tram Road. Sunday school begins for all ages at 10 a.m., and the morning service begins at 11, and the Wednesday evening service begins at 7. This is a life-giving, multicultural, multi-generational church where people of all races, backgrounds, and walks of life come together to worship, to be inspired in their love for God, to develop relationships, and to be empowered to live out God's purpose for their lives. Find more information on their website, imitatorsofgodministries.com or call the church 850-408-8496.